0: Before we begin today, I want to say thank you. Thanks for spending part of your week these past few months with me. I'm learning a lot from the experience of hosting this show, particularly from my guests, and for the Americans listening to this podcast, as we are just a few days away from what everyone is calling the most important election of our lifetime, I encourage everyone to make plans to vote early in states where that is possible, and make a good plan for how you'll vote on Tuesday, November 3rd. Please vote. It is your right as a citizen. With that, let's get into it. It is my esteemed pleasure to introduce you to my wife, Marla Wasler, my guest on today's show. Marla is a 20-year veteran of the publishing industry, working as a sales director for titles like Cosmopolitan, Food and & Wine, and Domino Magazine. Earlier this month, she made a serious career pivot going to work for an experiential marketing agency and fabricator called Star builders of branded environments that enhance in-person and virtual experiences through discovery and storytelling. Marla, welcome to the No First Podcast. Thanks.
1: So excited to be here.
0: Why are you here?
1: (laughs) Because I support you and your ventures, the many ventures.
0: How many ventures do I have? How many ventures?
1: Right now, yeah,
0: one,
1: two, about five and a half-ish. What are they? Oh, my God. Really? I got to name them? So we have the business that you're going to be starting in November. You have your consultancy branding business. You have your blog. You have your shop. And you have your embarking Return to the Acting World. No. Oh, wait, and I didn't even say the podcast.
0: What is significant about the 10th episode?
1: Well, yeah. because 10 is our number. We were married in October, which is the 10th month of the year on the 10th day of the month. And this year is two tens put together because it's 2020. So we're XX. And how did that all start? It was maybe a month after we started dating. It was Billy Jean here in St. Louis, and we told the waiter that we were going to be getting married on 11-11. But 11-11 of 2018 is a Sunday here in St. Louis. They have wedding Wednesdays, and it just so happened to be 10-10 was a wedding Wednesday. So we upped our wedding by a month so that we could have 10-10. The
0: rest is history. <laughs>
1: Why do I feel like I'm being interviewed? When do I get to ask you a bunch of questions?
0: This is a co-interview. Is okay, right? so. <laughs> okay, come on, Dan Rather. What you got?
1: <laughs> so, what was significant about 1010 for you? Other than it just being a wedding Wednesday. Why didn't we get married on the 17th?
0: I like the way that you say 1010.
1: 1010. Oh, that's right. Because I looked that one day and I.
0: You said that the, the, the time, time of the clock was 1010. And I like the way you say 10-10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what did you think of our wedding day? Are you sad that we didn't have the big to-do? No,
0: I thought it was perfect. It was exactly what it should have been. Two hey. people mm-hmm. expressing their love for one another to one another.
1: And then we went and picked the girls up from school in our wedding garb, which was fun. Funny. <laughs> and then we had dinner at Louie, where we met hmm So do we tell the story about how we met, too? It was December 27th, 2017. And I was without children for, I think, three days. We did not have a reservation. So I walked in the door and just breezed past you. There, I was just going to go to the bathroom really quick and check my makeup. But this annoying guy chased me to the bathroom and basically went into the toilet with me to grab me by the arm to pull me to the back the front of the restaurant. He was cute, though. It was this tall, dark, mysterious man with this mustache. And I was like, this dude is definitely not from St. Louis. <laughs> so I was very intrigued. And he introduced himself to me as Maxwell. And he shook my hand. And he said that my friend had not arrived, but we could put her name down on the list. And so we did that. And then Kaylin and I had a drink and then ended up coming back over for our dinner. But it was one of those things that I kept looking at you while we were having our dinner and drink and thinking, oh, I want to know more about this guy. Because the biggest thing for me, especially at that time, December of 2017, I was hell-bent on getting out of St. Louis. Like, I had tried to move to L.A. two months before, and everything came crumbling down. And I figured it was, like, that zip for me here. I just wanted to get out. But I just couldn't resist you and proceeded to keep coming back with the girls <laughs> just to check you out for basically the next month. And then there's the whole thing with Cool Fire. They television and movie production company here in St. Louis. They had several successful reality shows. I was brought on as like a consultant to do partnerships for some of their television programming that they were working on. And I was excited because it was somewhat similar to advertising sales that I had done for publications. So I jumped in. And it was funny. So, December 29th, which was the day after I met you at Louis, I was in the vice president's office. And he was asking me how I was possibly single and that clearly I should be dating someone. And I actually was dating somebody at the time. And he happened to know the vice president of Cool Fire. And I wouldn't say the name, but it was really interesting because that vice president actually said, Are you dating Max Wasler? I'm like, No, I don't even know who that is. And then that next Monday, I get my sales package. And as part of the sales package, there's a video. And the feature video of content sponsorship that I was selling was a little show called Made Right Here, co starred by Max. Ostler. Very serendipitous, don't you think?
0: The funny part about that is I think I was in the vice president's office not the day before. And I guess I had told him that I was trying to date somebody here in town and it wasn't working out. And so he was trying to put two and two together and had the read all wrong. The way that I remember the 28th of December, 2017, that's different than you, is that prior to shift at Louis, I had gotten chewed out for two days because it was my second day of letting people just run through the restaurant louis set up where there's no front of house i was the front of the house and there was nowhere to stand and wait it was the dead of winter it's freezing cold outside so what do you tell people to do you tell them to go next door to the wine bar and wait or you tell them to wait in this little vestibule tiny little like double door and so you were the first person to walk through the restaurant and so yeah I grabbed you and I pulled you back to the stand and I took your name and number down and I was trying out different names we ended up settling on Mr. Wassler because when I would answer the phone and say my name into the phone people would just start running because they thought they were talking to the owner Matt but I would say no Max so I think I was trying Maxwell at the time which is why I introduced myself as Maxwell we settled on Mr. Wassler Mr. Wassler became (laughs) infamous in this neighborhood and the other funny story about Mr. Wassler is that we were at a party about a year later and there was an individual at that party who was saying how great Louis was but they lost their guy at the front of the house this great guy named Max and he was telling us the story (laughs) was like, I'm that guy. I'm Max. And yeah, that place is... Well,
1: and I think it was confusing because you had shaved your mustache. Right. And they were used to seeing you with the mustache.
0: But where's your mustache? Okay. So that's how we met. That's how we got married.
1: Yes. And then we flirted for a month. We did. For the month of January. I kept bringing the girls in. It was Mm -hmm. every Monday night for dinner. So you really knew my full package before we ended up. But... How did I really show you that I was interested? Well, as I guess the young people call it, like I slid into your DM. You had posted a story about an ET belt from the 80s. And I did not have that belt. I had a rainbow belt of that version that the how would you explain it? It's
0: It's like it's an elastic band that's adjustable. And then it has like a seat belt buckle, basically. Buckle. It's smaller than a seatbelt buckle, but it's branded. And this one I posted because the country singer Blaze Foley used that E.T. belt as a hat band. And I had that E.T. belt. So Blaze Foley's hat band inspired me to post it. There was a movie that Ethan Hawke had directed about Blaze Foley. And I saw that E.T. belt in the movie. And I thought, oh, I had that belt. And so I posted it and you said, oh, I had a rainbow colored belt just like that.
1: But I was just trying to really poke and say, hey there.
0: Hey, I know who you are. Do you know who I am? (laughs) But I
1: was also trying to figure out how old you were at the time because
0: I I look because I look 45.
1: No, I just I wanted
0: to (laughs) since I was 19. I I
1: think the funniest part about all of it was like I was committed to making sure that I was with somebody older than me. Not like a lot older than me, but I was 40 when we technically met, literally turning 41. Mm -hmm. And so my thought in my brain, because my ex-husband was two years older than me, was probably being with somebody my age, maybe at the most five years older, because I I had this window. Who knows anything? But when I saw the ET belt, I was like, oh, he's totally got to be at least my age, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if he knows E.T.,
0: <laughs> how wrong you were. How
1: wrong I was. I'm that.
0: just a super nostalgic. The first plush toy that I received after my brother was born was an E.T. doll. I don't think I saw the movie until I was maybe five. It came out when I was two or three.
1: But um, I'm almost, well, I'm three years and 10 two. months older than you.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm Robin the Cradle. But I'm so mature. Yes, you are. <laughs> we're laughing because I'm probably less mature than our children. Nine and a half year old is the most mature person in the whole household.
1: And maybe Theodore the cat. Yeah. He also might be more
0: mature. No, he's got a very sort of young vibe. He's a sweet boy.
1: He's very good.
0: Yeah. So that's how we met. Mm-hmm. There was this one moment when we hadn't gone to coffee yet. I think we were getting ready. You were We were getting ready to have our flirty Super Bowl weekend. Or it was just after Super Bowl weekend. No. You came in on that Monday.
1: That's when you asked me to coffee, and we went to coffee the next day.
0: Yeah. And I touched the small of your back. And I felt butterflies. I felt, like, sparks. And I remember what you were wearing. I have no idea what I was wearing. You were wearing wearing that white lacy blouse thing. I don't think you even have it anymore. Hmm. So there were a lot of, like, coincidental things that happened as a result of us getting together. And we got together in the month of February, so one of the first occasions for me to spend a lot of time with the girls was Valentine's Day. And I remember going to three or four different record stores buying records because, at the time, the older of our two daughters was really into her record collection. She was mostly into, like, destroying her records, but (laughs) that's it story for another time i suppose and i bought sam cook i bought aretha franklin i bought the temptations Yes. Yeah. Anyway. and then
1: you got me the stevie wonder album
0: songs in the key of life i must have But the song as and what does the
1: cover look like
0: it's got the it's like the orange yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's the one
1: yeah because i'm very into music
0: which is a lie (laughs) the the funny thing is that you'll listen to cover songs and think that they're the original
1: no that's not true i know they're not the original but i'm too lazy to look up who is the original artist so i just listened to the song because i enjoyed the song so much so now spotify thinks that i only like covers but i actually don't i really want the originals but i'm too lazy yeah
0: The first time that we took a picture together as a foursome was St. Patrick's Day at O'Connell's Pub. We just got cheeseburgers from there the other night, and I have to say, I miss that place so much. It's famous internationally for being in a bunch of Budweiser commercials, but in my mind and in my heart, it was the place that my dad would take us one-on-one for conversations that were serious or that were important. It was like father son bonding. That was that place. And so to be able to like share that with my kids early in our relationship, it will always be a place that I intend, no matter where we are in the world, when we come back to St. Louis, I hope we get the chance to go back to O'Connell's and just sit and have a pretty darn good cheeseburger. And, uh, A pint Guinness. (laughs) Uh, So you're here, you're on my show, my shoe, episode 10 of our wedding.
1: How are you doing? Great. I hate being interviewed. I hate doing anything that has my voice recorded. I know. But for you, anything.
0: Well, so you said that this wasn't going to just be you being interviewed. Right. What is this? Well, what we're, s- this we're to
1: supposed be? to be the, the couples, right? Like when you normally interview the couples.
0: So tell our audience because I don't think anybody's paying that close attention to this show. Okay. So it, it was
1: supposed to be, who do we even, are you, oh my God, I don't even, so you started with Micah. Yeah. And then girl. you went, so it was like boy, girl, couple.
0: Boy, girl, boy, girl, couple.
1: Oh, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're supposed to be the couple. This is supposed to be the couple slot. Yeah. And since the two people who you really wanted to interview weren't available for a couple of weeks, I just awfully said, fine, I'll do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the idea is that I don't share what's in my cookies. And we're hoping that people will listen to this episode and understand, oh, this is supposed to be like a culture of the week show, not just like an evergreen show.
1: Right, but you're also, the point of the couples... Two, they're like creative couples and so like interesting creativity so Lauren and Josh are extremely creative but in very different um, areas and I would think you're definitely much more creative than me but I'm also creative in my
0: own way we're, yeah we're differently creative I wouldn't say that I'm more, but creative. we're very
1: complementary where there's a lot of couples that probably could never work together and I think that The way that the two of us are basically created and made, we work really well together. You have all the things that I don't have, and then I have the things that can take your ideas, your concepts, and bring them to life through a different marketing angle. You're the beginning, I'm the middle, and then the execution.
0: That's right. I love to concept. I love to... Flesh out. I love to think about all points of contact for a concept, but I don't necessarily like to then execute. So those ideas.
1: I like to take your ideas and then go and pitch them to brands and to other kind of partnerships and literally ask for the money. Right. I get so much excitement out of that whole negotiation. and then, pulling it off, like taking the ideas and making them reality and then being the one that the client comes back to and says, this was amazing. This was above and beyond what we would have ever had hoped for. Let's do something else. It's the, we did such a good job that they're already signing on. That's what I live for.
0: And I'm already out of the picture by the time <laughs> that we've decided we're going to go with the Airstream instead of the Winnebago.
1: Well, Airstream <laughs> all the way. There's no Winnebago in my life. Yeah.
0: Yeah knock on wood we worked together yes we did we were we shared a cubicle we did with stand up desks
1: so i think that it was such a pleasant surprise you pitched me for a position you knew that multiply were acquiring domino magazine they had brought you in to help with that and you had them bring me in with my expertise in print And I think they were shocked at how well we worked together. It was one of those things that I'm sure that they were a little concerned about bringing a couple in. But.
0: it We proved them wrong. Yeah. And they didn't. We we made their concerns go away pretty quickly. The thing that shocks me is I've never in my life been around somebody that I'm in a relationship with that I also want to spend every waking hour with. We
1: can talk about 2020 and corona and having to quarantine and all that. It's really, truly as though nothing has changed really for us. I'm sad for our kids because they haven't really been able to socialize with people. But for the two of us, it has not been really a challenge at all.
0: The being in the same space has not been a challenge. The challenging thing, I think, for all four of us has been the socializing we haven't felt
1: that and then the fact that like my ex-husband moved in and lived with us for a little while
0: (laughs) a little while it was like four days straight
1: yes but then every every, other weekend every weekend oh it was every weekend that's right and then Friday to Sunday I freaked out and then he got a place a couple blocks away I freaked out no I freaked out you freaked out at
0: me well and then I allowed for it to go on in private in private for far too long where you were coming to me with your gripes when you should have been going somewhere else with them. So I took them somewhere else and not soon thereafter.
1: But I think everyone's happier now.
0: I think so. I think so. So he lives a couple blocks away from us. Mm -hmm. We see him every other weekend and then he sees our kids every week just about. He's originally from here as I am originally from here. He has a business based in Chicago. I... Spent six years of my life in Chicago. You are born and raised in Chicago? I was
1: born in Illinois, raised in Illinois.
0: Yeah. Not like me. Born in Kansas, raised in misery.
1: Definitely misery. And I was drugged down here <laughs> eight years ago this month. Have hated it since day one. And even when I got divorced, I should have left. Why but you,
0: why do you hate it?
1: People here are not kind. I have not found any community here. Honestly, the best thing about where we live, it is an incredible school system, truly. The girls have been so well taken care of. It was a very safe transition for going from a married couple to a single mom The teachers themselves would check in on me on a weekly basis to make sure that I was doing well. They gave the kids, they would check in with them. They were really well taken care of, but I have not been taken care of. I was ready to leave in 2017. I had everything ready to go to LA, which who else was living in LA in 2017? I don't know. That's so interesting. Although I don't know how we would have ever met because I was going to be in Santa Monica Mm -hmm. and you were way the other side.
0: I was an East Sider. Okay. Okay. I'm done talking about <laughs> why you hate St. Louis. I, I grew up here. I, From the moment I moved here, I felt like an outsider. And for 10 years, I lived here, 8 to 18. And every day, it was clear that I just wasn't really cut from the same cloth as anyone here. Because we met the way we did, because I was a restaurant worker working in the front of a restaurant that was given every accolade the city could throw at it in its first year, best new restaurant, best place to have a family dinner, best place to take your parents, best place to take a first date, best place to celebrate your anniversary. Everyone was there. Everyone was coming there. I met a lot of the city's movers, shakers. I got the scarlet letter of being the the Louie guy, and my wife has been branded. Yeah,
1: I guess we should go back and just to the point where, like, I landed here... I had a best friend, and unfortunately, when you get divorced, things happen, and I was no longer invited to things as I was a single woman, and I was so lucky and so blessed to have met Kaylin at this mother's breakfast. Everybody in the room all these wives, their husbands went to high school with my ex-husband. At the time, nobody knew we were getting divorced. Nobody knew anything. And I was like falling apart. And Kaylin looked over at me and she said, are you okay? Do you need air or what do you need? And then I just burst into tears and said, I'm getting a divorce. And she goes, me too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then after that day, we became this like dynamic duo that did everything. Everything together. And she had three girls, I have two girls, and it was like we were together all the time. And it helped the girls significantly because they were with three other girls that were going through the same thing at the same time. And we had the same schedule and all of that. Kaylin truly had been a huge blessing for me. But it's hard because our kids don't go to the same school and we, they don't do the same sports and life moves on. But in terms of school, I have no friends. None of the family, none of them like me. It's because I'm this Chicagoan with attitude.
0: We have, a, we have the unfortunate distinction of being a conundrum to most people. And there's one individual in particular who you got together with to talk about yourself and about your work, potential work opportunities. And the entire conversation was comprised of talking about trying to understand me. Because of my...
1: Well, how I didn't end up with a trust fund guy that I ended up with the guy from
0: Louie. The guy from Louie who has a sizable following on Instagram. And I don't know. There are a lot of pictures of me on the internet. Why is that? And that's what she was curious about. And it's just, man. Those are the trappings of this particular set that just escape my understanding. It's, it's a byproduct for me. So I, why do I, I see this as I see those things as a reflection on what I do and who I am, what I stand for, not the thing that I was seeking. I wasn't seeking to be the well, person who got his picture taken. I, I wasn't seeking to be a person who got a following. What were you? But what why do you- don't you
1: set the record straight? Why did you take a job at Louie? I think transparency is the whole thing because people go through cycles in their life. Yeah. yeah. And I think you have an amazing story that a lot of people haven't heard.
0: Amazing's a word. I- hey,
1: it's a journey. And I think you really were given a pile of shit and dug yourself out. So, like, perception is not everything. Don't judge a book by its cover. I can't. Say enough that, like, you just don't know until you know. I mean, that is why I had such this amazing attraction to you. And I know in the back of my head, I was like, okay, but he, you know, works at a restaurant. But I was like, but it doesn't matter. Who is he? I need to get to know this man. And you are. So talented and so creative and so smart and have so many things that are going to come to fruition. And you just literally hit a shit storm, which a, brought you back here, which you thought was going to be for a hot second.
0: It was a bad combination of decisions that led to a need to hit the reset button. And the reset button came with a heavy price But it was a number of mistakes that I made following a pretty successful stretch. uh, A wonderful opportunity was uh, presented to me in 2012. I was afforded the opportunity to help Jim Beam to launch, really, Basil Hayden's. And that's how I think a lot of people that are listening to this, that's how they first probably came to understand me or know me. I was traveling the country talking about people who make things in America on the back of a beautifully made American made product. In the year that I presumed would be my last with that job, I saw an opportunity to help my then girlfriend find her dream, which was to return to California. And we took the chance to move to her home state. She's originally from San Diego. We moved to Los Angeles, where she had relatives living, and um, it was it was clear that it was a I made the wrong decision. Hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but I tried to make it work. I had a lot of help along the way. I had some wonderful people there to who provided me with more support than I could have ever asked for, and I, I, I owe them my life. I would be dead. If it wasn't for them,
1: and you basically realized in what was it end of October Mm -hmm. of seventeen, you were like, "I have to just." This isn't gonna. This is basically beaten me essentially. No,
0: no job had manifested in the way that work was manifesting in Chicago. I was there for a little over a year and a half, and in the entire time that I was there, I had racked up sizable debt, just trying to socialize into an opportunity, and nothing was happening. I ended my relationship. Uh, My work relationships all had ended, and my thought was, I'll go back to where life was good. I'll come home for the holiday, Thanksgiving, and on Black Friday, I'll move to Chicago. And it was on Thanksgiving Day, my little brother... (laughs) Sat me down and basically said, you're crazy. Stay put. You have a free place to stay. You know this town. Just see what happens. Just stay here. No one's going to hire you in Chicago between Thanksgiving and New Year's. If nothing is happening, January 1, 2018, then you can go back to Chicago.
1: I'm sorry, when did we meet?
0: And we met on December 28, 2017. I started at Louis on December 26, 2017. I got my LLC, Max Wassler LLC, in the second week of December 2017, after having a beer at Mike Duffy's bar in downtown Kirkwood, three bottles of Bush beer, and I was convinced by my childhood friend that I should consult as a marketing consultant. And
1: uh, that was incredible for you.
0: Yes, It gave me power that I didn't know I had. It gave me opportunity that I didn't know I had. It gave me the wherewithal to see what I actually do. Mm. And I have been doing for 17 years. Since I graduated from college, every opportunity has been wrapped up in marketing, in PR, in communications, in branding. So the last two years of my life have really been about discovering A lot about who I am that I didn't know. Now, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. as this is a show about understanding who you are.
1: I like really hearing about you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What in the last couple of years have you been able to uncover about yourself that perhaps Mm -hmm. wasn't made possible before because of certain impediments
1: it's interesting and i know you've never watched this movie and i think that maybe you need to watch this movie but runaway bride with the one and only julia roberts definitely has summed up i think literally my entire life so she was engaged several times and like in the movie you kind of go back and see the different men that she'd been in relationships with and it's just to the type of egg that she would eat. So it would change every time she was with a different guy. Like she liked it scrambled with Bob. I don't know, I'm making up the names. And then with Joe, she liked it uh, soft-boiled. And then with somebody else, she liked it poached. And it was about discovering what she actually preferred. And I think that as of twenty. 15, 2016, um, when I finally have been like actually independent. It's really been a time of self-discovery because I don't know what kind of ice cream I like and I don't know what kind of eggs I like and I don't know these kinds of things and you will ask me all the time, what do you want for dinner or what's your favorite food and all that. I literally don't know. I'm in this whole phase of figuring it out. We found out that I love chocolate ice cream more than anything else. I love soft-boiled eggs more than any other kind of eggs. But I'm finally opening myself up to new opportunities and trying new things that I've in the past wouldn't because I just throw myself down like a rug and just do whatever for whomever else. I'm always the last on the to-do list.
0: This is true. I also fear that I have imposed upon you some rather expensive habits yes
1: but let's be honest i would spend the same amount of money trying to achieve a certain look let's just say shoes so i will be in love with some pair of french shoes and i don't want to pay whatever price they are instead i go and i buy ones from target and ones from dsw and ones from whatever and they're still never the right ones And you've shown me that instead of spending and buying 10 pairs of shoes, trying to make the one pair of shoes, I've now just spent the same amount of money and more things than the one thing which I would wear all the time.
0: (laughs) Which is a parallel for a, a recent opportunity that came across my desk. We kept saying they don't realize that to hire one max, you get all of the people that you're wanting to hire in addition To one max. And that's the value play. Understanding where you are in the world. Understanding your value. Yeah. You don't take... Right.
1: Well, that company literally went the cheap route, Mm -hmm. went for 50% less, and is going to quickly realize that they now need to hire at least two or three more people to do the one job that they had in front of you that you easily could have done.
0: And then some. That's the part of it. But
1: the... three people that they would need to hire will be well over what they would have paid you.
0: The investment will be just as much, if not more so. And you won't get the added intangibles. Right. The knowledge, the network. So I'm happy to hear that you're learning certain things about yourself. I do apologize for teaching you that Fresh grated Parmesan is easier and better and cheaper, actually, than getting the craft.
1: Well, I'm sorry for imposing my love of European travel on you.
0: Talk about that. Tell me about our trip.
1: Our trip to Madrid.
0: Yeah. Who did we spend time with? So
1: I really wanted to go to Europe for Christmas 2019 because it really was the—well, no, it was actually the second time I did not have the girls for Christmas— The first year I didn't have the girls for Christmas was 2017, and I was driving home from Wisconsin. My parents had a place up there, and I literally sobbed for nine hours in a snowstorm. It was really difficult, and I did not want to relive that. So my happy place truly is anywhere in Europe, lost on a street, doing all kinds of people watching, eating food, drinking wine, and just... Being, like, a local and just wake up, go out, walk the streets, shop, eat, go to sleep. Amazing. It's my life. Well, I told you, shock a lot. That's my. If I could go and open up a chocolate shop in one of these small places and just do that for the rest of my life, I would. Anyway, so Max's best friend, Jorge, lives in Madrid, so I put one and one together, (laughs) and said, we're going to Madrid. So we went to Madrid, and we had the best host family on the planet. And we had a great time. And I actually enjoyed my Christmas, even without the girls, which is shocking. Yeah. Because it's just, I literally feel like when they're not, they're like, my heart walking outside of my body. So when they're not with me and I'm not like.
0: Even when they're not with you and we are in the same city, you're convinced that those two hearts are going to stop beating. Yeah, every time. And and it's impossible. And
1: now it even goes to the cat.
0: Uh, Yes, which I'm troubled by, truthfully. Just allow for life to carry on outside of
1: you but anyway Jorge was the most amazing host and no, his family but anyway let's
0: talk about it so... no
1: I don't really need to talk about <laughs> it
0: <laughs> I think the funny thing for me is I feel similarly I don't have obviously the, the 10 year investment that you do I have 3 years I know of investment mm-hmm. realizing that I still think that there's it's different when it's a divorce but, that that every parent goes through this phase of letting your child grow up and leave. Wait,
1: they're not growing up. They're never leaving. Leave what are nest. you talking about? This, this is, is not exactly happening.
0: Right. Yeah, so. Never. It's all right, fine. All right, Marla. I think we're at the point in the conversation <laughs> where it's time. Time to, t- to
1: talk about your cookies, Max. <laughs> what was in your
0: cookies this week? Okay. Since we are coming up on, and I have to say this, that I admit it, okay? For all the world to know and to understand, I love Christmas.
1: <laughs> no, really? But what else is right before Christmas? Thanksgiving. What's right after Thanksgiving? My birthday. And who else's birthday?
0: My children's birthdays.
1: Yeah. So what does December look like for me?
0: You're basically, you bought our gifts though already. <laughs> You were prepared in August. December is crazy in our house because it starts with my birthday is the first week. Our elder daughter's birthday is the second week. And our younger daughter's birthday is the third, if not the fourth week. No, it's on
1: literally each. exactly. It's Seven you, days. then number one, then number two, and then Christmas. Yeah. Because it's 11, 18, 25. 6, 11,
0: 18, 25. Terrible for you.
1: Yeah, it's still terrible for me.
0: So, I love Christmas. I think the reason that I love Christmas is that, secularly speaking, just secularly speaking, as it pertains to the trappings of the holidays from the Coca-Cola polar bears to the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, to the Dickensian Christmas experiences you can have in a town like Old St. Charles, Missouri, which if you ever have the opportunity to be in St. Louis around the holidays... Run, don't walk to downtown St. Charles. And if you bring
1: little people, make sure that they understand that the hundred different Santas are just people that are dressed up and they don't have a nervous breakdown like our 12-year-old did when she was six.
0: Right. There's too many Santas. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. But
1: it's really a beautiful thing.
0: It is. And they rose chestnuts, and they sing Christmas carols. <laughs> Tell us
1: about the chestnuts.
0: Uh, they taste like garbage. <laughs> the ones that we got, anyway. But there's also, yeah, fresh baked cookies. Mm. It's different than the Chris Kindle market that you'd see in a large city like Chicago or New York. Or,
1: the whole town comes to life.
0: Right. Because and it's just a small strip there on a brick-lane street.
1: Our characters lining the main street that are in full-on character And they will stop and they will talk and they will interact with you. And it's really, truly magical because even the older daughter who is literally becoming a teenager in just a few weeks, the first thing out of her mouth was, when can we go get the tree and go to St. Charles? Because Get the tree. Get the tree. And we're cutting down a tree and then we're going to St. Charles to do Christmas because they love it. And we got to take last year, your brother and his kids, and they... For the most part, I think, enjoyed it. I think the girls were so mad because we didn't have them. But it's a fun. It's just, it's great. It's magical. It brings it to life. Yeah. But you know what also is really amazing and wonderful? Chicago during Christmas. (laughs) The Marshall Fields windows. We would go downtown, State Street, look at the windows, and then we would buy Frango Mints, and we would buy Frango Mints for everybody who didn't live in Chicago. What is a
0: Frango mint? Oh
1: my God, on? they're amazing chocolate mints that Marshall Fields made. It's
0: just an Andes, isn't hey, it? Hey, it's better than Andy's. It's just an after eight, isn't no,
1: it? No, it's a thick, amazing little chocolate that's like delicious.
0: Thick and little?
1: Okay, they're like, how big? They're like two two inches by one inch. No. Yeah. They were like
0: this. Were they that thick?
1: Yeah. Oh. Maybe they got smaller though. As, and then they went down to a square size. Yeah. But when I was little, they were like two were like, inches it by was like a little, an inch. A little like, it was like a little candy bar. Like it was.
0: a ganache. Yeah. Anyway. Freaking
1: amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about the fact that you're born on St. Nicholas's day and you didn't even know about it?
0: <laughs> so that's traumatizing. And I'm sitting here with you right now and I'm looking at a pair of wooden clogs that you purchased for me after I told our children the story of my first St. Nicholas Day in St. Louis. And for those listening who are not familiar, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of Christmas. He's for whom Santa Claus was named. His patron's day in the Catholic faith is celebrated on December 6th every year. And in certain cities, in certain communities throughout the world, St. Nicholas Day is celebrated by having the children put out their shoes Or clogs in their bedrooms or in front of their bedroom doors at night. And St. Nicholas would visit. And he would fill their stockings, fill their shoes, fill their clogs with something. And I was telling this story to our kids. And they and my wife got the brilliant idea of buying me legitimate. From Germany. Size 12, size 46, German wooden clogs. And every year they paint them. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you paint them this year. For the
1: big 4-0. Oh
0: Oh my gosh. 40 years. I'm seeing they have a 39 on the toe there. Yeah, and you fill them with delicious treats. But my first birthday in St. Louis, we didn't know about that tradition. And I went to school and I came home and I said, I'm so confused. Everyone got a present on my birthday except for me. (laughs)
1: How does this uh, long-winded relationship to your cookies?
0: Oh, so (laughs) my favorite cookie, something that no one on this show has talked about, and I'm surprised that no one has talked about, because it is the best cookie, is a Nutmeg Noel.
1: Interesting. What is a Nutmeg Noel?
0: It looks like a sugar cookie. You usually use sugars colored with food coloring, the colors of Christmas, green and red, But it has cream of tartar and nutmeg in it. Cream of tartar causes the cookie to rise, and nutmeg gives the cookie its unique Christmas flavor. Nutmeg Noel's, I will post the recipe to the website. They are my favorite cookie. I love them more than anything. That's funny. They remind me of Christmas.
1: That's funny that your favorite cookie and my favorite cookie both relate. To the holiday season. Because my favorite cookie is a German cookie called Lebkuchen, which is a gingerbread cookie that has, like, a wafer bottom. And then it's either just, like, a sugar glaze or, of course, my favorite is, like, this dark chocolate coating on top. So it's light and fluffy in the middle, but it's hard on the outside. And you can get it at Trader Joe's, which was a wonderful discovery. But the first time I ever had one, I was probably in elementary school. And my dad did a lot of business with German counterparts. And they would send the most fabulous Christmas packages every year. But those cookies were always in it. So it was like the only thing I wanted. When I saw that the box came from him, it was like, give me those cookies. (laughs) And then for years... Like I think in high school, like kind of things wind down and they stop sending the things over. But literally the older daughter was with me (laughs) at Trader Joe's in Chicago. She was young enough to be like in the little basket seat and we're walking in Trader Joe's and I look up and that recognizable, I think it's Weissman or something like that is the brand. I looked up and I saw it and I literally took every box of cookies (laughs) that was on the thing and she took one bite and just spit it out onto the floor and said they were terrible. Oh, my gosh. So it's also my favorite cookie for the fact that nobody else in the house eats them.
0: They're all yours.
1: Okay, but then the second runner-up are Malamars, and you know that.
0: all of America's Greatest Cookie, only available during the holidays. Exactly. And it has to do with antiquated refrigeration.
1: And believe it or not, when you have children that are in preschool and you can't have birthday Treats that have any kind of nut in it, Malamars, are approved. Classic. And I think we also had an egg allergy, too, and so they were egg-free and nut-free. It was amazing.
0: (laughs) Your father received German care packages for Christmas. Mine received an All Wisconsin Christmas package. Oh,
1: but we got those,
0: too. With just cheese for days and then my personal favorite the holidays don't start until you've played and oh. we, we may have lost this record <laughs> no we have it we have is it is it still in the car i think so it's a cow christmas moo with such hits as jezebel 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 the cow to the to the tune of jingle bells jezebel the cow there are so many Classic songs about Wisconsin cows, Wisconsin cattle. Who knew that there was an entire album's worth of Christmas music? I did. Unfortunately for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so let's play this game because I know you enjoy asking people what, their, what cocktail they are. So I think that we should just like swap. So you tell me what cocktail I am and I tell you what you are. How about that? Okay. Oh, I can go first. Okay. You're a banquet beer. Why? Because it's better than everything else, and it's available pretty much everywhere. But you love it. You light up and glow when you get a banquet beer. For real. Come on. you like try all these other like fancy, schmancy things, and you're like, "It's just not a banquet."
0: It's bizarre. I remember this was 2000. You couldn't get new Belgium breweries. Fat tire ale east of the Mississippi. And so a group of buddies and I recounting the story of Smokey and the bandit and recounting the story of my father going to Colorado and bringing back Coors Banquet beer to Quincy, Illinois. We went to St. Louis from this small town in Indiana in the dark of night and (laughs) waited (laughs) outside of a grocery store to buy as much fat tire as we could fit into the bed of a pickup truck and drive it back the three and a half hours to DePaul University. That began my love of craft beer. I began to understand and value craft beer when we would go to Bloomington, Indiana and buy Upland wheat ale that we would get by the keg and we would serve at at parties, and our party was always the first one people would come to because they wanted to get drunk on the good stuff and then drink the cheap stuff. What do the French say? The second bottle is never expensive. And then, yeah, I got really into beer. I've tried beers from all over the world. When I was living in London, my favorite beer to drink was a Victoria Bitter from Australia. I learned in Ireland how to pour the perfect pint across the river. From the Murphy's Brewery.
1: But you also really don't like spirits very much.
0: (laughs) The truth comes out. It's true. The guy that traveled the country on the back of a bourbon for four years doesn't really drink bourbon. And I don't really drink vodka. I'll have a gin and tonic, and that's about it. But I blanched my palate. That's the point of this story, right. is that I went through all of the phases of microbreweries. Every town in the, in America has a microbrewery, has a brew pub. I, I saw myself through all of that. I, I participated in the first ever festival of barrel-aged beers. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of all the fancy beers. Yeah. The thing that I love is a well-crafted, balanced, easy-to-drink, yet full-bodied lager. And... No one makes one quite like the beer that ultimately was, as a toddler, the beer that my uncles would pass me and watch me spit out on the lawn of our house in in Kansas. The beer that my dad drank. Cora's Banquet, the golden can from Golden, Colorado. It has to be the can, too.
1: It is. It's beautiful.
0: It's not, it's not. But see, I, I like it out of the bottle. You like the stubby bottle.
1: I do. I like it. They're cute and little <laughs> and adorable. But I'm going to add on a little bit because technically it's not a cocktail and it's not a beer, but it is a root beer. Mm. And you are obsessed with one specific root beer. Would you like to share with us what is hanging on our gallery wall?
0: Yeah, God save Hires. I do not understand how this happened, but the first ever root beer bottled in the world, Hires Root Beer, is largely unavailable. Largely unavailable, folks.
1: And we will find money to buy it if PepsiCo wants to sell it to it's us. It's not
0: PepsiCo. I thought it was it's PepsiCo. Dr. Pepper Oh, Curric. that's right. Dr. Yes. Pepper Courage owns Hires Beer, and they are slowly phasing it out.
1: We will buy it. We don't have much money, but we'll buy it.
0: this is in my cookies this week. In my cookies this week, I I actually posted a wonderful tribute to Tab, which is going away, and it's because Coca-Cola is phasing out 200 of its offerings, and Tab is one of them, and Tab was introduced in the 70s, and it introduced the world to the words Nutra Sweet, which is aspartame, hires is getting the same treatment from its parent, Dr. Pepper Keurig. And I wanna say to the folks at Dr. Pepper Keurig, I am here, I am more than capable. I would love to buy that brand, revive it, and find a home for it, because I do believe in it. Hires was the first ever root beer bottled in America. It was bottled under the name Dr. Hires. Dr. Hires believed that it was a tonic for all that ailed you. When you drink a Hires, what do you taste? I taste the neighborhood pool, (laughs) a bag of shock tarts on a hot summer day, sitting in a chlorinated towel, taking a break from sharks and minnows. Okay. You taste...
1: Oh, I taste the root beer barrel candy.
0: From Brock's.
1: I don't even know who it was from, but it is my childhood. That was the thing that I bought at the candy store in Wisconsin. It is completely just like you said. It's summer to me, but it really does. It tastes exactly like that candy. When I think of root beer, that's the taste.
0: If you go to the website, if you call the company, they will tell you that it's not available anywhere near us, and we found a place that will order it specifically for us it's a little dirty Jewish deli down the street from our house. It's
1: the most amazing food ever.
0: <laughs> and it is the best food ever. But every time we're in there, the, the there's a woman behind the counter who, if you ask her how her day is, she will tell you about the six car accidents she <laughs> saw that day. And undoubtedly one of them she was in. Mm. It is wonderful. It is
1: amazing. <laughs> they see us walk in, too, and they're like, oh, no, we're out of hires.
0: Oh, yeah. They will literally, like, go to the back to search for the hires for me, which is so wonderful. But it's possibly also why I've gained 45 pounds this It's quarantine. not
1: 45 pounds, but whatever. So what else is in your cookies? Are you going to tell me what cocktail I am?
0: You used to be... Mm-hmm. A pecan old-fashioned. Correct. Now. They are delicious. You are somewhere between a cheap Lambrusco (laughs) and a moderately priced Argentinian Malbec. Or a a nice priced Spanish Rioja. Mm -hmm. I think that you're becoming a red wine drinker.
1: It stopped giving me headaches. I used to get... So after I had the girls, I started getting major migraines anytime I drank red wine. And it's now I can actually metabolize it again.
0: Yeah. You drink a lot of spirits. You like spirits. Mm-hmm. There was a time where you were only drinking rye. Right. Because rye was not hurting your stomach in the way that bourbon was.
1: But more than bourbon, there is a certain spirit that I love. Just a an nice, And it comes in a really pretty bottle.
0: Oh, come on. So there was this bar in St. Louis that when she was a single lady, my wife loved to go because the bartenders would... Overserve me. Overserve her <laughs> on... Clase Azul. Tequila. You're so basic. This is the definition of basic. <laughs> This lady drinks this bottle of tequila. The bottle itself is more expensive than most tequilas. It's
1: very beautiful. It's
0: <laughs> it has a bell as its like cork but on top. But it reminds
1: me of Kaylin.
0: And the bottle itself is shaped like a lamp. <laughs> it's like a fancy lamp. It's porcelain. And it's hand painted and glazed. And it's beautiful. Yes, yes, and it does. It reminds you of Kailin and it's, it's actually quite delicious. It's just really expensive tequila. Yeah. Clase Azul. So if you haven't tried Classa Azul.
1: It's delicious. And you
0: see it at the back of your liquor store in a locked case. Ring the buzzer. Have Jimmy in his red vest come over <laughs> and unlock the case. <laughs> swipe that credit card and live your Mexican dreams. I don't know. I don't understand why you can't find a tequila that you like. It's a little bit less expensive.
1: Well we did. What did we we oh, whatever. It's very clean. It's very delightful. Mm-hmm.
0: It does it does leave you with a very you know a low chance of a hangover. I will yeah, say that. That's true. Okay. Well, that's what our cocktails would be. Mm-hmm. I wanna to talk to you about the routine of politics. Because you pay attention.
1: Oh, I don't like news. I don't like news. I don't like reading newspapers. I had a big, huge episode when I was 16, and my dad tried to make me read, I don't even know, probably the Tribune, Chicago Tribune, and I was like the typical teenage kid who like resisted, and we had a full-on brawl, and from that day forward, I vowed I would never read a newspaper ever, and I haven't ever read a newspaper. I have always gotten my news from late night television because the only way I can digest it is when it is presented in a very sarcastic manner.
0: Satirical. Yeah. yeah. You prefer and I would, I could, can I rank them for you? Yes, please. I think it goes from worst to first. I think worst? Goes, worst? Yeah, okay. Worst to first. It goes Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, Trevor, Trevor
1: Noah. Noah. <laughs> Well, Trevor's kind of like easy on the eyes, though. Let's just be honest.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we've heard this before. Okay, and so that's your diet. So this week was a big week. Yeah. And I woke up.
1: I really like Colbert, though, too. He's funny.
0: Yeah, he does a, and he does a pretty good job right now of being like, I love when he messes up right now. He's like, Oh, he, are we live?
1: Oh, what about his slam dances? Those are, I love them. What? Are, he oh, slam dances doo, when he like.
0: Yeah. She's doing the dance,
1: and then when his wife starts cracking up in the background, yeah. I feel like that's me with you all the time.
0: She's the best part of the show. I know. Her giggle is so great. This week, the day after the debate, I woke up at two thirty in the morning. And I couldn't fall back asleep. And so at four o'clock in the morning, I went for a walk. And for the first time this election cycle, I listened on my iPhone while walking to every cable news show I could find live through their apps. I listened to CNN, MSNBC. I listened to Fox News for a little while. I listened to CBS. I listened to NBC. (laughs) And... It was calming. I was very uptight about what we would watched the night before. I think that was what had woken me up. I was... I'm perpetually worried right now. It has everything to do with... the unknown. There are too many unknowns. And they are all seemingly outside of my control. And that's something that I have come to really understand about myself, is something that I preach all the time. No? Yeah. Control what you can control, and the rest- report
1: all incidences immediately.
0: (laughs) So this was a sign that was hanging in the Stern Pinball Factory when we were there filming, made right here. It said, report all incidences immediately. Problems don't age well. And that is something that I believe strongly in. You'll see it if we ever work together. You can't learn the bad news fast enough. Just get it out of the way. Just be honest. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to change it. Make it known to all involved there's bad news. The sooner you do that, the sooner you can get all...
1: Well, it doesn't give people time to fester. And it also doesn't give it the energy to go beyond what it possibly even is and and blow out of
0: proportion. Two heads are better than one on anything, especially on bad things. So why not involve as many people in it as you can? Because you're going to get the best outcome out of that group. And you're going to get consensus. Another thing that I believe strongly in, consensus. And so controlling all things that you can control. And waiting for the things that you can't control to find their way into the column of control. And then once they're in that column, you try to control them. There are so few things that I want to control right now in the control column. Everything seems to be out of my control. And this four-year period has been incredibly concerning. The way that we've behaved as people bothers me. And as somebody who prides himself on being a person who speaks up for this country and what this country means... To me, and what it should mean. Well, let's go.
1: I mean, you're talking about like small businesses are going out of business left and right. Just today,
0: we were driving. Heartbreaking.
1: It's not necessarily super political, but it's unfortunately where we are today. Yeah. And and just because of a pandemic, that who knows if. Another president could have handled it better. We have no I don't idea. I remember
0: the percentage, but the number of, you know, privately owned restaurants, small businesses that are gone, we're never gonna get those back.
1: Well, but even your job made right here. How are those businesses doing? They're all made in America, and they're probably ones that are being the most affected by this because they're producing items. That's we can talk about the Fauci cap. Like you specifically picked Ebbets. Because they were the first city really hit by COVID and you wanted to give them the money to make these hats to help pump money back into that economy. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right.
1: And it's we both were for a hot second trying to figure out how we could find money to save the Brooks Brothers plant in North Carolina. Yeah. And you wrote that piece about it because like truly...
0: I would save it if I could.
1: With the two brains that we have with somebody else's money, (laughs) we could definitely do it. Yeah. And bring that entire town more jobs and create an amazing product.
0: Jobs that aren't just service jobs. Because this country was not always just a Walmart every 10 miles. And there is nothing wrong with Walmart. Walmart provides opportunity for countless millions of people. Yep. There is nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong.
1: But they don't, they provide commodity items. They don't provide the type of like. Skill.
0: Trade. There's no oral tradition. There's no opportunity for people to, who want to, to work with their hands. There's. I shouldn't say there's no opportunity. There are fewer and fewer opportunities for people that are comfortable in that space.
1: Yeah, My favorite part of working at Domino really was having the ability to expand my territory. I had been for essentially 18 years of my 20-year career really solid in the Midwest, and I was given the opportunity to take the Southeast. And through taking the Southeast, that meant that I had all of these amazing heritage brands and furniture. And one of the most amazing experiences of my sales career was walking the floor at Lee Industries in Conover, North Carolina, and talking to these people that were building these beautiful pieces of furniture. And they would be telling me that they've been doing it for 40 years, hand nailing, doing the beautiful nail head treatment. And he's, I've been doing this for 40 years. He didn't need any kind of markings or anything. He just knew exactly where to space everything and put it in. And he said, I am so proud to be working at this company. And then talking about his sister who also worked here and then her husband and just realizing what an amazing community it was. But then also the fact that when you did the piece at Shut Helmets and standing next to the mother and the daughter that were in line together putting together the helmets, like – It's amazing. And how many of these companies are still going to be able to continue to produce?
0: And what happens to those people? What what kind of job do they get next? I think that's part of the fear that you hear about in the coal Mm -hmm. regions. Sure, talk to me about new energies, new opportunities and new energies, but realize that like My great-granddad, my granddad, my dad, and my son. We all do this. We've been doing this our whole lives for over a 100 years in this region. This is what's put food on our table. And you're telling me you're going to take that away? What are you going to put in its place? Another Walmart? That's the fear, I think, of everyone in this country That has a job that requires physical skill. The person who's placing those nail heads knows how to place those nail heads without a marker because they've been doing it day in, day out, eight hours a day, five days a week, paid by their union, protected by their union. And maybe there aren't. I don't know about Lee. I know.
1: I don't know, but they were, the the thing that I loved about it was it was not walking through a factory where you felt like these people didn't want to be there and that it felt like they were honored to work for this company and give their blood, sweat, and tears to produce this beautiful product. Like so much pride going into it where I'm sure there's many factories around the country that it's the only thing that these people have to do. and They can barely drag themselves there to go, but this was one of those wonderful environments that the community was proud to be a part of it because the owners really give back and they really care about their people. And it seems as though they're still doing wonderfully as much as I've kept in touch with them, which makes me really happy, but I know that that's not the situation across the board.
0: Across the country. Yeah. So that's been in my cookies this week. Nice. (laughs) What about you?
1: My cookies. So I'm stressed out because I have three birthdays to plan, (laughs) including a 40th birthday. I
0: told you, don't give me anything.
1: Okay, so that's the fun part is that I've figured out an amazing thing to give you for your birthday,
0: that I've looked. I've
1: looked. Doesn't cost a thing. What I'm getting you is priceless. Anyway, so then another thing that I've been searching for is the perfect boyfriend blazer because I really want a blazer. And it goes back to our earlier conversation about springing for the nicer thing instead of buying a bunch of cheap ones because I bought my Zara one today and it came and it's like paper if anybody knows of a great black and gray and white but plaidish
0: but loose fitting boyfriend style boyfriend blazer. style yeah, yeah. i you like got it got a really nice blazer from Ralph Lauren gorgeous it's just it's, not the right style it's fitted yeah it's and not right you didn't want that you wanted it to be loose but You're- i've
1: also been shopping for bras nobody has a freaking bra for an a plus size lady
0: a are you, a, are you, You're saying A
1: plus. I'm a little bit bigger than an A, but not quite a B. And
0: that doesn't so, show, uh, show right. your nip
1: exactly. I like bralette style bras, but they always show your nipple, and it's really absurd when you're 43 years old. You don't want to be walking around showing your nipples to people at school. So it would be nice to have a bralette that would maybe potentially have a circle of some sort to flatten down your nipples is that possible
0: Uh, yes it is
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's not because i can't find it anywhere so but i did spring i'm trying a couple new different bras this i'm
0: excited i'm excited for you i cannot wait for this journey to be on this journey with you yeah i I will walk hand in hand (laughs) marla yes my love whose face would you like to see on the dollar bill
1: whose face would i like to see on the dollar bill oh I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Audrey Hepburn. Not only was she just an amazing individual coming from Austria, making that trip over to America to like start a new life and, you know, she actually hid during the whole time period, made it through, was a dancer, but then she took her celebrity and really did good and was an amazing ambassador for children. And I, th- I think that she's quite a remarkable person. She was kind of like a Mother Teresa that was like in Hollywood. I like her.
0: Mother Teresa in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, you
0: know. Yeah, I do. On my dollar bill. Yeah. This is going to be a surprise to exactly no one. But on my dollar bill would be David Letterman.
1: Of course. Of course. Who but has. but it should have socks in lieu of his face, right? <laughs> well,
0: those will be instead of the the one-eyed pyramid. The, the oh, right, 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 right. Socks, gray socks that he wore. Da- socks for Dave, hashtag socks for Dave, was trending the, the week of, I believe it was May 15th, 2015. Or no, it was the week before that. Dave's last episode of The Late Show with David Letterman on CBS. David Letterman came into my life later than... Probably he could have, but it was ultimately it was after he made the jump to CBS, which most people who are giant Letterman fans would say was a watered down Dave. I love and appreciate and value his time at NBC, both the morning show and the late night program when he invented stupid pet tricks, stupid human tricks. He did the Velcro wall and he did the tabs of Alka-Seltzer attached to his body but Letterman during that period was also my awakening to culture. And every night before I would go to bed, I would sit and watch the late night program, Late Show, uh, with David Letterman on CBS. And I would do push-ups between the end of the news program and the beginning of the Late Show. I'd watch the monologue and then I'd do sit-ups and from the commercial break after the monologue to the first segment, he shaped my adolescence, and he shaped my personality. He shaped a lot of my, like, brand of humor and my turn of a phrase, the, the golly gee, the aw shucks, and then Tina Fey nailed it when she said at his Mark Twain Prize reception, David Letterman is President Emeritus of the Here's More Rope School of comedy. Dave, in an interview, would give his guest the opportunity to run wild and have a wonderful experience, or they could hang themselves. And uh, he did that time and again, and and I do say that all the time. Here's more rope. Because I'm a big believer in it. I think that it's a wonderful way of conducting an interview. Hey, I'm giving you free reign here to do with this time in this space, whatever you want, and you can make yourself look really good. Or you can make yourself look really bad. And Dave did both in equal measure. He's got his new season of his show on Netflix. And I'm very much looking forward to finishing that. I started it this week. The way that he presents and the way that he asks questions is unlike anyone else. And it, it, it means the world to me. What's the first article of clothing you reach for in the morning?
1: I reach for my brand new robe that I've been wearing that now every morning,
0: and it's from Kim and
1: Ono. Oh mm-hmm. Tell, I mean, it was both. We gifted each other robes for our second anniversary because it's cotton, and so technically you got a cotton robe. However, the meaning behind cotton is that the strands of cotton that are kind of what twined together, well, it, what they're woven together to create a much stronger thing. It would be the same as silk.
0: Yeah. Soft, strong, pliable, sturdy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're building here. And I really appreciate that. The fabulous thing about the brand new Terry Cloth Brooks Brothers robe is it's replacing a robe that I received at the age of 10, folks. You stole it. You didn't
1: receive it. I stole stole
0: my dad's Terry Cloth robe at the age of 10 to play Moses in the Christmas play (laughs) at my school. My one line, let my people go. I said while wearing that robe, and I never looked back, it was my robe. That terry cloth, that quality of terry cloth, is the same quality as the terry cloth that you got me from Brooks Brothers. And I'm so grateful to you for that. I'm a very particular person if you can't tell. The other thing that I reach for every morning are my Wicked good Slipper from L.L. Bean. And I have worn a pair of L.L. Bean moccasins. Again, late to the game. My dad wore L.L. Bean moccasins my whole life. My brother started wearing them when he was in grade school, late grade school, early middle school. And I always just opted for tube socks. But then I moved to Chicago. And we had something in the winter of 2011 that was lovingly referred to as Siberia, And then the next winter, I believe it was called snowpocalypse. I may be getting those flip-flopped, but I bought a pair of wicked good slippers that first winter in Chicago. And during the pandemic on my feet at all times has been those wicked good slippers, except for one miserable week. When my wife, my loving wife, who's my guest on the show this week, (laughs) said, you're getting rid of those shoes because your toe is peeking through the front. I will get you a new pair. And it took a little while for them to come. We anticipated that they would be there a lot sooner. So I was cold and barefoot, miserable.
1: And let everybody in the family know about it.
0: That's right. That's my job. And the other shoe that I wear every day is the Ella Bean Boot Mock the moccasin version of their bean boot the the reason for that it just sits at the back door it's often as i'm going out to do something outside take the trash out or go run a quick errand it's just the first thing that i put on my feet they are again so comfortable they just i just switched the insoles from the neoprene to the to the shearling for the winter time i i Love those shoes, and I love them so much that I created a convert in you.
1: Yep, I got a black pair.
0: What's your battle armor?
1: Actually, very easy answer. It is the Ralph Lauren jacket that you gave me for Christmas that has the beautiful Fort Lonesome chain stitch design on the back. It is a cheetah and a tiger that represents you and me. It also has the Greek evil eye, which is me. And it also has my favorite flowers, which are peonies. But that was my travel jacket. Like whenever that's what I wear. Why is that? It feels like you're with me. But the cheetah, which represents me, just gives me that little extra confidence when I'm off on my own and doing my business. What about you? What's your battle armor? Oh, oh, I know, I know. Go for it. It's really, truly any beautiful blazer that you put on. But I think your favorite one is the one that I bought you in Chicago just days before we got married from Ralph Lauren.
0: I have two favorites, and you bought me both of them. That's... Oh,
1: and the Gigi, the Gigi in Madrid.
0: The Gigi is Bolioli's uh, sister brand. And it's like a boiled wool chore coat. In it's Navy beautiful.
1: Bread. You almost walked away from it. And it I was is? like, there's no way you're walking away from this coat. We're
0: buying it. And then the the herringbone Ralph Lauren 1967 jacket that is based on Ralph Lauren's own jacket that he wore to launch his brand. And I love it for that. I love it for the history and for all those reasons. But it fits great. It feels great. The quality of the material is great. The cut is wonderful. I feel powerful when I wear it.
1: It's beautiful, though. Both of them are actually very beautiful. You know, though, I do really like your chore coat that I met you in. The blue one. The French one.
0: The laborer. Yeah. Which I received as a gift from Emile Corsillo of the hillside. The night that we met Trevor Gulliver from St. John... I had the gall to ask Fergus Henderson and Trevor Gulliver from St. John if they were who I thought they were. And we ended up spending like six hours traversing the West Village with them in New York City while they muttered Englishisms to us that we couldn't barely understand. And Trevor was wearing a little laborer jacket. And because of that, Emil asked and reached out to Lola Laborer and he was the first American business to carry Lola Laborer in the United States. I wear it proudly. I love it. It it's worn in quite a bit. It's worn in quite a Well,
1: sense. I would say that and then your sweater thing are the two things that I fell in love with you.
0: <laughs> so there's a Lands' End Woolrich collaboration a shirt jack. Famously worn in you, the Martin Scorsese Bob Dylan documentary, you wore it on our first date. By uh, worn by Dave Van Ronk in the Martin Scorsese documentary about Bob Dylan, No Direction Home. I got a lot of battle armor.
1: You do. Yeah.
0: What's your favorite background noise?
1: I don't know. I tune everything out.
0: <laughs> What's my favorite background noise?
1: Anything and everything. No, I think that you're famous for your morning mix here at home, especially whatever that first song is, like Roses or whatever. I don't even
0: know what it's called. <laughs> morning with the Roses. A Morning with the Roses by Richard Dworski. Richard Dworski was, for a number of years, the pianist on A Prairie Home Companion. And I think that's how I found the song. But it is the first song and it signals the morning to our household.
1: Oh my God. I think that both of the girls, like they cringe, but it's almost like they crave it at the same time because it does just completely remind them of you. Oh, I know what my favorite background music is. If I can count it as background music, I'm obsessed with Rick Steves. He is my background music rick steve's europe
0: yes i think that you are a huge fan and it has occupied a lot of your lunch breaks with our younger daughter
1: and indeed and i really wish she would get into antique roadshow as much as i enjoy it but she won't really convert to that i have lost her on that but we do definitely bond over rick steve's europe and dream together of european vacations
0: Anyone in particular? What was your favorite episode so far?
1: We really enjoyed... It was actually a special. It's just that Christmas around Europe. It was nice. Rick Steves had his wife, and who's now his ex-wife, but his wife and his two children with him. But it was a nice variety of just European holiday, um, how people spend Christmas. You and I noticed that even going to Madrid... For Christmas, it's not like how we celebrate Christmas in the U.S. For them, it's, yeah, it's definitely let's get together with our family. But their really big celebration is not until January 6th. The epiphany. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: So just a cool educational thing because, let's be honest, I like completely
0: slept through history <laughs> in high school. How do you define success?
1: I've grown into like a new appreciation for what I define as success. I have been knocked down so many times through my life and it wasn't anything that anybody taught me, but I like instinctively would always just get up and keep going. I am in process as we do this daily with our eldest, with school in general, she really is an A plus student. But she gets discouraged really easily when things aren't easy for her. She forgets the fact that going to school is actually about work and learning and trying something new and hard. And when it's not easy, she just doesn't try. But the minute that I push her to try, that you push her to try, she like aces it. But it's just really funny it, like how her grades are we've, we talk about this all the time, like the blessing and the curse of power school, which is the app that is very transparent on how your kid is doing at school. So you'll see A plus, A plus, a+, a And then all of a sudden the day that she doesn't feel like showing up for school, which she's physically there, but she like mentally is not, she gets like a D or an F and there's no real in between. And so making sure that she's dusting herself off and getting up and going in every day giving a like 110% she's unstoppable and i think it's a nice mirror for me to see that because i get discouraged a lot i've had a lot of really hard knockdowns and trying to get up and i think a lot of us forget that it's what makes us stronger by fighting through it. I love that. What about you? What about me? What do you think?
0: Leave everything in the pool.
1: Why is that?
0: The times that I've felt most successful were the times where I gave it my all. I may not have actually succeeded. In fact, I may have failed. But... It's more about the journey than the destination. It's more about the effort made than it is about the outcome. You were talking about giving it 110%. And I was thinking about superlatives and we didn't give out superlatives at my high school, but what are you, what do you think you're best at?
1: Oh, I'm definitely best at mothering. I mother everybody. I'm a great mother. I'm great at looking after people. I'm great for making sure people hit their deadlines and follow through on what they've said that they want to do, need to do, but I'm not good at putting my own self through that. You put
0: everybody else before you put yourself.
1: Yeah. I'm working on it.
0: Yeah. What would you say I'm best at?
1: Everything. And then some. You take care of everyone. You're extremely thoughtful. You're extremely kind. You know, yes, you get frustrated with certain situations, but it's because you really are sensitive and you really want to, I think, sometimes control too much to make things perfect. And life isn't perfect. We have to live with the ups and downs and the crazy different personalities. You've said earlier, control the controllable and we can't always control everything. And I think that lets you down sometimes.
0: Lauren Block talked about it on the podcast with me. She said, do it now and do it now is actually a really great mantra. Mm -hmm. Do it because if you don't do it, you're never going to do it. If you don't do it, you'll get in the way of yourself and it won't ever get done or it won't get done quite right. If you do it, and it's not quite right, you can always redo it. It's really hard to realize that, though, when you haven't done it. And so I've been thinking about that a lot since she said that. And I've been slowly but surely chipping away at my list, and I think you can vouch for that. Mm -hmm. Well, Marla. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, my darling. I've
0: really enjoyed talking with you in this format.
1: I really enjoyed forcing myself onto your show today. (laughs)
0: Uh, In talking to me for the past however long we've been talking, what, what have you gotten from it?
1: What have I gotten from it? I just enjoy spending time with you. I love supporting you and doing things that take you one step closer to all of your dreams. And I know that this is one of them.
0: I feel like what I got was a little bit closer to understanding how you're starting to see yourself for you and not as a conduit to other people. You're not the go between. You're no longer acting as the middleman. You are the man. You are the person that matters most to you. And that's a big difficult lesson for a lot of us because we're taught many of us are taught early and often, you got to be humble. You got to put yourself after everybody else. I went to I went to a summer camp where they preached the gospel of I am third. God first, others second, and myself third. And I still find myself in that servant role, subservient role, that role of everyone else gets food before me. Everyone else gets served before me. Everyone else gets their cut at me before I get my cut. And I think you lived that life too.
1: I lived that life. It wasn't something that was beat into me. I think it's just... It was my, what, the fight or flight? It was my fight. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be the one that rewarded me the best to get through my childhood, to get through my adolescence, to get through my teen years, to get through college. It was my defense to be who I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're doing a really good job of figuring out who you are right now. And I'm grateful that I get to be there while I watch you blossom.
1: Thanks. And I love being by your side. Well, I love you. I love you more.
0: It was really fun. Thank you for coming on my show. You're welcome. Thank you for indulging Marla and me as we took some time to share our story with you. Tune in next week when my guest will be creative consultant, the founder of Know Your Endo, and the author of the one-part plant cookbook, Jessica Mernan. This is the No First Podcast. The No First Podcast is a production of All Plat Out. Our theme song is That's Right by Pop Villains. Thanks to Marla, Stella, and Ruby, stay safe, stay healthy, and know first who you are. Chicago,
1: Mother Scratcher. Peace out.